I waited an hour to not. I didn't even get it. I never got the sandwich. That was an anticlimax ending. <laughs> I was waiting for you, like, yeah, I got it, and I shit my pants straight away. And <laughs> I, I, I've heard a rumor that the end of that story was the best part. The best part about it was I. <laughs> the best part about it was I wasted an hour of my life to not even try the sandwich. Which was the worst part of this story in podcast. All right, let's get to the start. All right, ready? Here we go. <laughs> Today on episode 12 of No Putts Given, we're going to cover the Tour Championship in the new format, shot of the truth, and slow playing golf, or is it even really a problem? We're covering Most Wanted today. Stay tuned because anybody that listens to today's podcast gets to hear the winner of the Most Wanted Fairway Wood prior to Monday when we announce it. We're going to cover the Rain Gear winner from this year and Callaway's visiting my golf spy. And guess the yardage challenge happening today. Let's get Why it. am I here? All right. So, tour championship, new format. So, I don't know what you guys know about it, what everybody else knows about it out there. But basically, the objective was to clear up the confusion. Uh, the end of the season in golf is never really, it's kind of underwhelming if you ask me. Um, so one way they're trying to fix that is not have two winners, right? Not one FedEx Cup and one Tour Championship winner. And the way that they've come up with is this new system. So what you're seeing is right when we begin the tournament, Justin Thomas starts off kind of in a pole position at 10 under somehow without ever hitting a shot. Um, and it's kind of like NASCAR, right? So it, it, you're the better pulling. you play throughout the playoffs, the better your position going into the final tournament. Correct. So what do we think? You know, like, um, do we like this idea? Do you think it solves the problem? What do you think? Uh, well, if you, if you think about any other sport, say, for instance, the Premier League in England, soccer, there isn't, you, you play the, the whole league and you get rewarded when you get to the end. So the playoffs, you make the playoffs. And then you've got to win those ones to get to the final and then you get promoted. With this, it's kind of the same thing. Throughout the whole season, you're playing towards a bigger picture. So And you get seeded better. And you get seeded better. So when you get, if you are number one, you get rewarded for it. Where really, if you're number one in previous years, you just go out and play. And then you've got to start all over again and hope you have a good um, week to win that $15 million. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that it, it eliminates that. Going straight in my basket. <laughs> I, like, I like the fact that it eliminates this two winner thing because, you know, last year you're looking at Tiger Woods winning the Tour Championship and then you look at Justin Rose winning the FedEx Cup and Justin Rose having to come down the 18th hole and he had to birdie 18 just to win the FedEx Cup. Otherwise, he would have given it up. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of weird to see two guys standing on the, you know, with two different trophies um so i like that but i don't know if this was the best way to go about it i don't know we haven't seen it we haven't seen it yet this is the first time of doing it so after this weekend we're gonna see well i mean if shoot, it works better shoot after day one it's friday yesterday they played and justin thomas brooks kepkin xander shawfly are all tied at the lead and it was one day it took one day to level the playing field like that yeah exactly so i think it's i think it's good because they know what, what how many shots they need to catch up Tony, you look like you have something to say. I I just don't care about it at all. Either way, <laughs> didn't the season end with the Open Championship? Like, I guess we're just well, that's, trying that... to make people care about the tail end of the season, which is nice. But I don't. so that's exactly just... what my next question is. Like, do we actually think this is the way the golf season should end? Like, there's a finality to every other sport, kind of. It's the Super Bowl, the World Series, right? Golf is this 
even close to any of those? Well, when you're playing for one uh, for fifteen million dollars, it adds some kind of excitement to it. It does for the players. Not, not, for, the not players. for the fans though. Like, woo-hoo, yeah, that's I true. Can't wait to see yeah. who gets fifteen million dollars. Not, not me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I tune out after the Open Championship, and you know, if there's a Ryder Cup happening every now a couple of years, I'll watch a little bit of that. But maybe I'm a little different. It, I, I really like the I, I like the playoffs, I like the Tour Championship. I think. Having only thirty guys at East Lake makes it like more intimate. Everybody, I mean, that's the only thing is like not every single person in that field has a legitimate chance to win. The good news is, I think the tweet that I read, I think the worst player is making three hundred sixty-five thousand dollars this week. So everyone's getting a fat paycheck, whether you win or not. But hooray, um, paycheck! <laughs> that's yeah. what they're playing for, though, aren't they? Isn't that what everyone's Actually, playing for? More than that. Um, what's one thing that's interesting about it is this counts as a tournament, meaning whoever wins this and wins the tournament, you can actually win as it counts as a tournament win. So you can win two tournaments in one weekend. And that's what, that's where the PGA Tourists come into this debacle where they're like, okay, well, there's two tournaments. Should we have two winners or should we give both tournaments to one player? Yeah, it's interesting. So anyway, well, we'll see how it goes this weekend. And see what everybody thinks after one week. Tony is not happy with it. I can tell. <laughs> I just like, like I said, I don't, I don't care. I stopped watching golf after the open. Can yeah. we do? Can we do predictions? I'm ready to bet some money. Oh, okay. Well, you, you're not good. At don't this, put Canley again. I'm going Brooks. <laughs> you're going Brooks. I'm going Brooks. I'm going Xander. Xander's got good history at at East. I don't know. I Thomas. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> don't go Jordan Spieth. <laughs> no, he's Can you? He's not in it. Uh, yeah. He didn't make the cut. Yeah. Neither did Tiger. Damn. Shame. All right. Well, we're moving on to this week's shot of the truth, and that is something that's been discussed kind of at nauseum for not just the past week, but decades, right? <clears throat> and that is slow play. And from my point of view, I think it's interesting that slow play controversy is even making waves because – Slow play is not a problem in professional golf. So, you know, I understand that everybody, you know, saw what Bryson did and, you know, got out their pitchforks. But every single golf tournament and the PJ Tour has finished on time. Every single one. They've never had a delay. They've never had to push it back for slow play. So it's it's just funny. You know, golfers over decades and decades and decades, when you go back and look at Nicholas and Tiger and all these other golfers have taken longer than DeChambeau, yet no one said anything because when they were dominating the sport, it would have looked bad for them to bitch and complain about it. Um, if this was Tiger that was taking it over that long and that ball kind of came up to the left and dropped in, no one cares about how long that shot took, you know? Right. So I just think it's, in today's time, social media has created this entire problem, and it's all about the likes and retweets and all that stuff. So if, if they post a picture or a cool meme of Bryson, you know, taking too long and they get a lot of likes, guess what that means to the other social media warriors out there? They're going to want likes and retweets and they're going to post it and they're going to try to get some love and some action. Cause that's their currency nowadays, likes and retweets. Yeah. And I, I noticed that when it first started coming up with this whole Bryson issue, I noticed that a lot of people that have influence or have a lot of followers were just putting in their thoughts. Like, as if their followers really wanted to hear what they had to say. And it's like, do you do you even know the facts? How much research have you actually done into slow play? What, you know, 
have you timed Bryson? Have do you, well, do you know anything? Minus that, just this is something that falls on deaf ears in social media nowadays. But show me the facts. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, everybody wants to talk a big talk, but they can't walk the walk of showing the actual facts and the history and things like that. So they create this big hubbub. They think it's great that you know the PGA Tour creates a response based on what they think they influenced, mm-hmm. and you know. But the reality is, slow play in a professional level isn't a problem. Now, well, ac- according to players, it is. Okay, and not one of them, when asked, you're right. So when they're polled, they say slow play has affected them in some way. But not a single one of them went on to admit that they're one of the problems in slow play. No, yeah, no, no, nobody that's thinks correct. they play slow. But yeah. whether, they, whether they think it's affected them, everybody knows that somebody, when you're playing recreational golf ahead of you, has maybe affected your errant shot that you hit. Mm-hmm. But the facts are this. Slow play is not real in professional golf because it is never shown to be actually in, ex- in existence, meaning no tournament has not finished on time. Okay? Yeah, well, so, but so, you gotta, I mean, what's on time, though? I mean, right. these they give these guys basically five and a half hours on a TV broadcast to finish, so they're, they're going to fit in that window every time. But, I mean... Uh, Joel Beal yesterday posted on Twitter. He he followed uh, Bryson around and timed every shot. And so when that. when you're taking an average of a minute and a half plus over every putt, I mean, well, not every putt, but again, an average of a minute and a half. I mean, that's that's well, ridiculous. Okay, it's just well, ridiculous. when it when it comes to the players, so the players, the PGA players on the tour, have showed their opinion, and and voiced their opinion on who's the slowest and who do you think is out there that. They say is this one of the slowest players. Who's that? Ben Crane. Oh yeah, So so all you have you have you have Ben Crane, uh, JB Holmes, DeChambeau is kind of on there, but Kevin Na, Jason Day, Jordan Spieth is just the name. All right, well the back to Tony's point, like I'm just saying, as of right now, with the limitations, there there is no, there's never been a tournament that didn't finish on time. You're saying okay, what's on time? Well, until they create an on-time, right. it's on-time, right? I think it's relative. Well, well that's right the now. thing, though. They do have this idea, right? Bryson's video, he talked about being under time par, right? Which is the idea of, you know, this is this is what you're supposed to play the entire course in. And, you know, not not everybody finishes under time par. So there are, you know, if that's if that's your definition of slow play, hey, like, I was over time par, that, that definitely happens. I guess the bigger point is this. How does a PGA Tour guy playing 30 seconds slower or whatever affect you or your round? It doesn't. I mean, they're the one percenters, right? Well, I think it does, though. I mean, because you, again, I I mean, I've played in tournaments, especially with, with, I don't want to say young, like junior, but younger golfers, mid-20s, you know, guys that have sort of learned by watching tour players and that they emulate what they see. And, And when you've got a guy who's an 18 handicap that's lining up behind the ball and literally taking a minute and a half over every shot. You're like, you know, what the but, fuck? You're like, yeah, the goddamn yeah. ball. I mean, Bryson, Bryson came out with actually a really good point and it resonated with me a little bit, is if you hit it longer, you can't walk all the way up to your ball, you know, nine times out of ten because they're normally down the fairway anyway. You can't play as fast as you could. Exactly. So if... Yeah, but if, the, clock, the clock on these guys doesn't start until starting, they Yeah, so. but if you look at the big picture... The shorter hitters are going to be hitting first, so 
you can't really start your methodology until you get to the ball and, and then well, that's go. a problem with golf in general. The slowest guy that starts out the day, the first tee time, is going to be the guy that sets the pace for the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, right? because it's, it's, all, it's all etiquette and it's all you don't want to get in the player's eye um, and eye line when they're swinging purely because of etiquette. Like, do we need to change the etiquette or do we? Well, it's, I it's... think there's some simple solutions for pro golf. If you know, if, if you want to get the time down right now, they're not over time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to get them down to a lesser time, that's one thing. But the big problem, I think, that does exist with slow play is for recreational golf. And everybody that's ever played golf more than 10 times probably has ran into a situation that has been frustrating where we know how long golf can take mm-hmm. if played pretty you know normally and yeah. we know how long it can take when it takes too damn long right yeah so is there anything worse than a five hour round of golf yeah a, a five and a half hour round exactly right <laughs> for amateurs for sure yeah so and i don't know if that's solvable by golfers as a whole because you might go out there with pace of play in mind the guy in front of you might not but in a survey that we did conducted on my golf spot, I found that 82% of people say slow play in recreational golf negatively impacts their enjoyment of the game. Okay. And 27% of them said they would actually go as far as paying a premium for a guaranteed four hour round or less, which is pretty interesting, right? So we ran across this product at the PGA show and it's called tag Marshall. I actually think technology has the solution for this. I think it's the simplest, it's the most uniform, it's applicable to every golfer on the course. You're not relying on one guy to be fast and the other guy that's thinking slow. Everybody is kind of on the clock, you know? Well, and that's I think that's the bigger point here is that pace of play also on the PGA Tour, I don't think is enforced, especially mm-hmm. Correct, in the yeah. amateur ranks. So there's you have the marshal. <laughs> But sometimes you have the marshal, and he's scared to go up to the group to tell him to hurry the hell up. Yeah, I mean, so that's that's a problem there. Is it's, I think they've only used a penalty once during the Yeah, but the if PGA. you use technology like tag yes. marshal, where everybody basically has a marshal following them 24-7 in this little display mm-hmm. on an iPad type thing, right? And what I noticed was it just makes you more aware of things, which just inherently make you play faster kind of like when people download apps for getting in shape or dieting just knowing how many calories you consume has been shown to show people consume less calories keeping people accountable yes and aware aware awareness of your pace that's the word though right there right you say keep people accountable on on tour anyway and and right now on on any golf course in the country there's no real accountability right a marshal will give you a warning and tell you to pick up a pace and the tour will give you a warning but you know and yeah, until it's costing I mean, you shots. I mean, Jason Day. Jason Day comes in and says, "I'm going to play as fast as I want to play that I feel comfortable at." But do we want to keep hearing these excuses and slaps on the wrist, and they're never going to do anything, or just solve the problem? Where, and I'm not saying Tag Marshall solves everything. I'm just saying I witnessed it change a round of golf. That for how many years we've been playing in that tournament down there, Tony, uh, Lake Nona, and the other for the Torridge Media Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10 years and on average it was five and a half to six hours first year tag marshall came in four hours and 15 minutes yeah yeah no i agree it was it was it was a great bit of technology but if if you don't have that technology it's going to be but why can't the tour have that because because again the tour, like, the tour okay, didn't bring it up <laughs> But, but J.D. Holmes knows he plays slow, right? Yeah, that's like, the thing. A lot of these guys know they're slow. Yeah, but if there was a, a, a modified tag marshal system that made them more aware of it all the time, which, yes, 
everyone that knows they play slow, like Matt Meadows, plays slow, right? But being aware of it just inherently, like I said, makes a difference. But what if there was a thing up there that said penalty stroke in if you know the next yeah. you just got a warning, right? But it didn't have to be through a human to human interaction. It was just yeah. Well, it was just matter of fact. I mean, and now we're moving. Failing that, how about this? How about you have a shot clock that travels with with the group, and you have well, an have irate guy it. like me who, who travels <laughs> with each group who has an air horn. And at any point when that clock gets past 40 seconds, at my discretion, I can haunt that horn at any time. Hey, either, PGA, either, either solves the problem. I like the, that. The PGA Tour rule is 50 seconds, just for the record. Is well, it, they, whatever it is, so, give me the horn. <laughs> I think on the European Tour, they did have a tournament where they had – oh, no, not a tournament, but I think they had a shot clock that came behind them um, and followed a group here's that the, was Here's slow. the difference with that, in my opinion, at least. But, but did they have an asshole with an air horn? <laughs> no, you would have fitted him well. <laughs> Here's the difference, in my opinion. If you have the tag marshal thing, it's just kind of nonchalant, just, hey, penalty this. If you have a shot clock, that actually changes how I play golf. I mean, I'm actually now focusing on a clock versus focusing on a shot, whereas the tag marshal thing comes in after you have been delayed, meaning you hit your shot, you come back to your bag, and you go, oh, shit, I got a penalty, you know, or I got yeah. a warning, right? I think it's a solution for re- a potential solution for recreational and professional golf. Yeah. Well, well I if think... you look at like, the, I, I don't know, it's maybe a little different with the PGA Tour, but actually, I would I would say it clearly isn't right. If you look at, at how they handle drug suspensions, for example, everything is kept quiet. The USGA with the way they test clubs, right? The the goal isn't to to penalize anybody. It's it's just sort of this this wishful hope that it doesn't happen, right? And so until until the USGA and in this case the PGA get to the point where they're comfortable actually penalizing and publicly penalizing golfers, it's going to go nowhere. Just yeah. you know, yeah. and I can understand that. The, I can understand it's a tough situation because these guys are playing for a lot of money, and for a guy like JB Holmes and Jason Day to say I'm playing for a lot of money, I'm going to come out and take my damn time. Yeah, but man, like. Yeah, Brooks Kepka plays for a lot of money too. Exactly, and, and he wins just about every damn time he steps foot I'm on not, the golf course. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like it's. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying like that's that's. But a don't prop, you think that just simply thing. putting rules in place, all you got to do is do it? You know. Yeah. It's like when I I don't know. There's a Netflix documentary that just came out about the whole baseball um, steroid scandal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, called, I did see that. It's, it's called Screwed. It's good. It will show. It will highlight how just not just creating line in the sand rules can create all these issues that are going to come back to haunt sports, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And if slow play is actually, in fact, a problem in recreational golf, which I think it is, and could potentially become one in professional golf, if this continues going, even perceptually or optically, right? Something needs to be done. And I always think that the the best solution is the most simple solution, you know? Yeah, Yeah, these guys need to be... I think that the pace of play rules need to be a little bit more stringent on the players. These guys are getting away with it and... Yeah, I think the, it's US, a, it's the USGA, okay yeah, USGA and PGA tour just need to throw some balls and start penalizing players if they think that they're proven to be clearly. Ryder thinks thinks so too. Uh, so uh, slow play. So grow some bollocks and step up and you know give them a stroke penalty. That being said, all this is just social media justice right now until they create a rule like people are saying they're slow play but you know there's no proof of it no facts that there I mean, is you, you other gotta, than you know a guy that goes out and follows DeChambeau for a few holes and makes that you know fact uh, of the future I mean I think there's a pretty good case to be made like again we are seeing it's not like the the PGA tour which goes out in in 
two man groups on a Sunday is, is finishing in four, four and a half hours. It's, it's five and a half hours to get around the golf course on any given weekend. So yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. slow. I, I don't, there, there's no other way to describe it. That's slow. I also and yeah, I understand millions of dollars are on the line, but well, cameras you know, and media and all kinds of things are different on that than recreational play as well. And let's talk about it. Sam said 50 seconds is the is the rule, right? Yeah. The guy walked out there with, you know, DeChambeau. I don't know if any of us have timed ourselves, but I doubt we would be the exact same time on every shot. He was under some, he was over some, you know. It, it seems yeah, but the... when you're when you're a, an average, when your average is above, you know, yeah, you're going to be below sometimes, but you're going to be above it a lot of times and how, yeah, many, shots, the... how many shots did he record of DeChambeau? He he followed the entire round. Yeah, so and how many did he post on the internet? Well, he, no, he, he, he posted gives, times for he gives average time drives, yeah. approaches, etc. So every element of the game for sure. Yeah, and you and can he see was, Bryson was under on and it was interesting, right? You see guys like you know based on Bryson's time quicker on quicker off the tee, right? Because there's a lot less thought that goes in. All right, here that, we go. Right? Drives thirty one point five eight seconds, approaches forty three point five seven. 50 yards and under, 46.89. So under on every one of those. Except. Okay? Except putts. One minute and 21 seconds. So under. Hey, I've, yeah, again, again that's, that's one round. And I, I think, <laughs> I, I don't know what the weather was like, but you know with Bryson, for example, the, as the conditions get more complex, I guess you would say so does the, the math. <laughs> so, I've, got, I've got the solution. All right. Every, every, every pro on the golf course. Will ride and the caddies will ride the fin scooters <laughs> around the course. That's a good solution. And then bang, you're done two and a half. Or hours. what about that golf cart that we posted like a few years ago that went like 65 miles an hour down the fairway? That's just da- that's just dangerous. <laughs> so well, I mean, that's, that's a great example, right? We're so set in the ways like no, no, everybody has to walk. That's that's core to the game. But like, all right, if you want to speed things up, get everybody to the ball faster. But no, we're not gonna. We're not going to talk about things like that, and, I, and I'm not suggesting the professional. I know John Dady would like that. Well, and those cards, guys, but... and those guys, you've been to a PJ Tour event. Those guys walk fast. They do walk fast. You gotta, you gotta follow them tough. So what, what I was gonna say is, yes, Bryson was under on the first three. So drive, uh, tee shots, approach shots, and 50 yards and in, but he was over on putting. I averaged the four out. The USGA limit is what 50, 50. seconds, 50.76. So he's right on the number. He's over. I mean. Well, less but than, less than a that second. one second. <laughs> but anyway, get him out of here. Anyway, point being is we're arguing about something that there's not even really like a hard set rule for that they're going to penalize for. So it's just going to be stuff that's spewed on the internet. The, the cool thing I like about it, it though, the cool thing I like about it, though is Bryson and Tony. You and I read the same article. Uh, Bryson welcomes penalization. He says, "If it's my fault, penalize me." There you go. So. He, but that's, I think that's just the essence of it, is he recognizes that the, the USGA is not going to penalize Exactly. Him. That's smart, that's smart yeah. by Bryson to say that. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to keep doing it until they make me. You're, you're going to call me, you're going to make me the poster boy for slow play? Do something about it. Yep. Give me a fucking air horn. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony, how, gotta, Tony, how would you solve job? slow play? Air horn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next. But, no, because if, if I get to honk that at my discretion, I'm, I'm going to cost you strokes. So... And you're gonna you're gonna want to make sure I don't hit hit you with that in your backswing. Maybe <laughs> not right. practical, but I, I think it's worth trying. All right, that's it for shot of the truth today in slow play. If you guys have any opinions or girls out there on what you think about slow play, you know, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Um, if you have any facts, we'd really love to see those. 
And now we're on to something that we've never done before, and that's tell people what the winner of a most wanted category is prior to actually publishing it. So I Sam, won. We've literally never done that. No. Mm -mm. We've given hints. We've done it for donors. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, anyone that donated for most wanted, uh, we keep that information, and then we would send out the most wanted driver winner prior to the release. But this is the first time ever on the podcast. Sweet. Well, are we? Can Here I? Can someone. I go ahead? Yeah. Tony's holding it. Tony, what is it? Yep, <laughs> there it is. I got nothing. So you want me to do a drum roll? And the winner is Callaway Epic Flash Sub Zero. Hey, Sub Zero, Sub Zero again, huh? We like Sub Zero. Damn. So the Sub Zero won the driver and the three wood and the three wood. Yeah, and right. uh, so we we do not only overall, but we do longest, which was the Strixon Z F eighty five. New okay. offering from Strixon this year. Really good, really fast. Mm -hmm. Very fast. Um, and then the most forgiving is the Ping G410 SFT. Not super surprised here. Uh, it's definitely a golf club designed for What's forgiveness. S What's SFT stand for? Straight flight technology. Boom. Straight in my ball. So Ping has, Ping has identified that most amateurs tend to miss to the right. And they created the SFT. And they also have the SFT driver with waiting to kind of try to mitigate that slice and help the ball move right to left. And we also do a best value. Um, this year, Sub-70 is a newcomer to our most wanted testing, and they got best value. I think this is their second best value of the year. So it's a, Is that the Pro one? That is the Sub-70 Pro. Pro okay. So they, they have the 939X, and then they have the Sub-70 Pro. The Pro is obviously a little bit more of a compact model, not as much offset, and there's two weights that you can swap back and forth, kind of like the Sub-Zero. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good group. Yeah, really good. Um, so is there is there something to the Sub Zero? Because the driver one is the swing. Did you see the spin rates? Are they um, recognizably lower than the rest? To be honest with you, looking at the data, it's not like whoa, they're crazy low. Yeah. Um, and you know, you and I both work with the testers to try to optimize mm -hmm. launch conditions. So if some guy wasn't spinning it enough, we would try to swap the weights, add some loft. Um, things where we're getting in the windows that we need them to be in. So on average, it's the lower half of that window I would for the sub sub. Yeah, it's not. It's it's um, not. A, it's definitely not one of the higher sub clubs. What's interesting is you know <clears throat> we've talked about this before, and Tony and I have you know discussed it on many phone calls. But the Flash Sub Zero and the Flash Sub Zero Fairywood would be marketed more towards what type of golfer? Uh, golfer that needs lower spin. Yeah, the higher a better it, yeah, lower better handicap, golfer. better yep. golfer, right? Yep. And what we keep seeing is these drivers, most golfers that let's say are seniors would come in and go, I need this and I need that mm -hmm. because that's what they've been told they need. Non, yeah. you know, uh, clubs that are made for lower handicaps. But what we see is even though the low spin, things like that, the driver for the Flash Sub-Zero and the Ferry Wood uh, both topped out as number one most wanted overall. Yeah, um, I, I, And that's been a pattern we've seen, not for Callaway in general, but for that type of uh, better a club for the better golfer winning the overall meaning for all types of golfers yeah. not just the better golfers well and then we break down the driver test by swing speed and we see that the callaway epic flash sub-zero was the best for for slow swing speed golfers so it's interesting yeah what the, the thing with with the the sub-zero on the driver's side and i haven't looked closely at the the breakdown of the accuracy numbers on the fairway wood yet but you know 
high swing speed players, low swing speed players, whatever, like everybody just seemed to hit that. Not everybody, but but most of our testers just hit it exceptionally straight, right? So, you know, if you're if you can hit anything straight and get adequate launch conditions, not necessarily what we would call ideal, you're gonna get outstanding performance because again, like you can you know, what's more important, right? If you're, hey, I, I launched that at, you know, using some older numbers, right? 12 degrees and 2400, or I hit it long and in the fairway, regardless of, you know, what, what the launch and spin were. And we're not talking about, you know, numbers that are ridiculous or, you know, miles from what you would want, just maybe not perfect on the number, but the results are excellent. And yeah. yeah. When, you, gonna... when you look into the fairway wood space, you know, some of the, some of the really smart R and D guys that, that I've gotten to know over the years, you know, one of the things that, that I've heard is like, Hey, if, if you can hit a fairway wood, right. If you're reasonably competent with a fairway wood, a forward CG club is probably going to give you better performance, right? So if you really struggle with a fairway wood, if you, if you can't get it in the air at all, or you, you know, fighting that slice, right? Something like an SFT is is going to work well. But if if you can put a good swing on it and make reasonably solid contact, you're probably going to be better off with a more forward CG in terms of overall performance. So in that respect, I think it, it kind of makes sense what we saw. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> just one more thing I want to, well, two more things I want to cover. We have a really good runner-up, again, the Cobra King F9. Dude, how many runner-ups did they have this year? Too oh, many. It, it's like Ricky Fowler and Majors. Um, <laughs> oh <laughs> no! I that's, mean, that's that that makes up for the chicken story. <laughs> uh, no, I mean every they they would they made the the whole F nine speedback line has been exceptional exceptionally yeah. well this year. I think if we averaged place ranking throughout the whole year, I think Cobra is top of the list it's for up there games. you know what it's i'll, I'll do that i'll look into that and yeah um they've quietly numbers. a very good lineup from end to end right i mean <clears throat> unfortunately cobra tends to have to do everything quietly by comparative by I know, comparison it's crazy is like yeah. you hear about cobra when they launch something right like yeah f9 dead silence the rest of the year that's it i mean every year it's been like this you know and the problem is they make some really good product and golfers just don't hear about it enough yeah, well, definitely, if you're going to go get fit for a three-wood this year, do not bypass the F9 because those baffler rails are the real deal. And speaking of which, if you're going to go get fit for a, a three-metal a three metal this year or any fairway wood, um, definitely consider a few different things when you're going to go get fit. Are you going to be hitting it primarily off the tee? Are you going to be hitting it primarily off the deck? Um, you need a, If you're going to be hitting it off the deck, you're going to need a three-wood that launches a little higher um, because – Obviously, you're going to want to be able to hold greens if you're hitting long par fives and two um, and something that spins enough. So don't go into the launch monitor and say, oh, my God, I hit this three wood 10 yards shorter than my driver. Because first go in with your objective enough. first and then find the right fit, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, don't don't get obsessed with this distance number because oftentimes, you know, we just had a guy in there yesterday. He, we, he was fit for a driver and then he was hitting three woods. And he's like, man, I only hit this three wood like 15 yards or 10 yards shorter than my driver. And we're like, well... Maybe we could see if we could optimize a, a little bit better. It's a and... great, simple point, right? So many <clears throat> golfers that go in for fitting into a, you know, whatever, Dick's or PJ Superstore or whatever, don't go in there with a mindset of any objective. They just go in and are kind of like paralyzed. Oh, this, goes, this goes a long way. They're, well, look, they're like, looking to the professional for, the, for their, their guidance on what they should be buying. Yeah, and they're just kind of aimlessly walking into like this hitting bay and like, hey, can I hit clubs? And they're kind of like in la la land. The guy's like, yeah. yeah. And they don't go in there with like, uh, all right, 
I need a fairway wood. My objective for the fairway wood is X. Mm -hmm. Let's try to see which club well, fits yeah. it, right? I mean, that is one. It's You need a window. So say you hit your driver 300, you know, uh, theoretically. Yeah. We're not all yeah, in here. Let's Come say on. that. Jerry. Well, you know, so... <laughs> let's, say, let's say 260. All right, what, whatever it is. So say, say, say 260. You're welcome. Um, and then you you hit your hybrid. Your next club is about 200. You want something to go in like 235, 240. But then some three was can go up to about 255 and he's like, oh, I'm going to get that one just because it's so good yeah. and so long. But no, you, you should try and fit and gap your hey, whole set. Every club in your bag should have a purpose. It should have a gap, gap as well. Okay, yeah. gapping, yeah. Mind the gap, please. <laughs> well, all right, just to reiterate, let's go down one last time. So if you're in the market for a new fairway wood today, tomorrow, next month or so, the most wanted overall is the Epic Flash Sub-Zero. The longest is the Strixon ZF85. So if you want in distance, that's your one. If you're looking for pure accuracy, it's the Ping G410 SFT. And if you're looking for the best bang for the buck, a new brand that just hit the market not too long ago is called Sub70 Golf, and that one is called the Sub70 Pro. Bingo. What's uh, what's retail price on that one, Sam? One hundred forty-nine dollars. Jesus. All right, I've got a challenge for you guys. When it comes to accolades, who do you think is leading in hard goods and soft goods? Leading what? The most wanted seal. So who's won the most wanted seals this mm -hmm. year? My brand. Yep. Words are hard. So let's do let's do hard goods. Sam, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> shouldn't I know this? You should, but I'm gonna go with <clears throat> I'm gonna go with Callaway. Okay. Do runner-ups count? Yes, yes, they can. I'm going Cobra. Cobra? I think hard goods, Cobra, yeah. Yeah, strong in, they've been strong in most categories. Mm -mm. TaylorMade with seven. Ooh. Wow. Ca Callaway oh, with six. <clears throat> Mizuno with five. Tommy Armour with five. Ping with four. Tor Edge with four. Wow. On the hard like goods. Bigfoot. So TaylorMade, Where the hell's the, Cobra at? they had a couple drivers... Yeah, the swing speed categories. They had the uh, the putter, right, yep. and the wedge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is obviously yeah. this is the swing speed categories, all those the, for the fast, slow, mid, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> soft goods is pretty self-explanatory. Ping generally does really well, but this year they, I don't think they won that many awards. Well, what they had bags and gloves, right? Yeah, so... that's true. I'd go ping. Yeah. I guess. I'd go ping. Just yeah. Yeah. Make <clears throat> All right, you're correct on that. Yeah, I mean they participate. Well, that's the other thing too is they make what do I a whole slew of products for everything. So they they make they give themselves a good both hard goods and soft goods. Yeah, they're very very good. In. So are you saying they're the overall? I'll send you or a Popeyes gift card. Yeah. <laughs> so Ping came you didn't out. Get the sandwich apparently. I'm going to get it today. <clears throat> We're going to get you one on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> Delivered. So, all right. So Ping. I think Ping had Popeyes is 35 minutes away. So it's like I got to. Drive for an hour to not eat chicken? You're going to drive for two because you're going to stand in line for an hour. Hey, listen. Here's the deal. You know why Sam had an extra hour to do this? Because he, he doesn't has, work? He has a girlfriend now and he's no longer no. on Tinder. Why do you have to say that? <laughs> yep. So he has extra hours in his day. And you see he's not yawning today in the podcast? <laughs> I yawned once. You did? <laughs> he was falling asleep yesterday, so he was... All right, should we go back to my point? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let the British guy talk. <clears throat> so who's um, the overall winner? Ping with nine. 
Adidas were four, Bushnell were four, Titleist were four, Cobra and Puma each have three, so you could put that under the same umbrella, and they had six. All right, so who's the overall Puma. winner? Like, who's got both? Who's got the most in both? It's okay. got to be Ping. Ping would not. Ping. For, so, like, both hard goods and soft goods. Yeah. So they have 13. They had 14 last year, I think. Um, and we don't we forget, we haven't, I haven't, I haven't included the three-word, the wedge, the, and the utilities, and the rest of the ones that I've got to do. So this is does, just Does ongoing. Ping make CBD oil? Yeah, they're probably going to. They, they, right, they, they should. Another... I think it would probably be the last company in golf. <laughs> <laughs> so in the hard goods, you've got three of the four major um, OEMs right at the top of our list when it comes to... Uh, it's a safe bet. I mean, the the OEM, the oh. major OEMs are a safe bet. Yeah, and Ping, we'd have to go back and look, but I know they won the overall last year for most uh, most yeah. wanted awards. So they're on pace to do it again. Yeah, but this that's year. um that's an interesting fact for everyone out there. Yeah, nice tidbit, Harry. Thank you. Thanks, yes. Harry. All right, moving on <laughs> to rain gear. Yep, we're gonna go rain gear now. Um, so we have the winners were in um were told yesterday. Well, back up. I mean, did you? How long were you waterlogged after the rain gear testing? I was sprayed a lot. Did you get some water in your ears? It felt like I was in the swimming pool again. I got to watch some of that testing, and uh, it was there was it's a lot thorough, of water. and it's, it's thorough, thorough. Did you not see the uh, picture that we had? The cool picture that Matt did with the water spraying on the. Yes, thing. I saw that. Anyway, um, so th- the winners that came out was Cross. Uh, the E Edge um, rain jacket, which is actually on sale for one sixty for the jacket, uh oh, and one oh eight for the pants. So actually coming out at two sixty eight, that's that's a very good price for how, for how good that rain suit is. Yeah, yeah. The average golfer has something crumpled up in their bag for the somewhere the one poncho instance, and the guy that doesn't. <clears throat> he might have a poncho, you know, like a the plastic poncho you see at Bush mm-hmm. Gardens. Um, the Disney, yeah. Yeah, the Disney poncho. Uh, but Great for poncho. The, if you are in the market for rain gear, I would just say this, you know, obviously this stuff is expensive. And what we have found is there is really not, in our testing over the last three or four years, a single model that we have found under $100 mm-hmm. or even $200 for a top-bottom combo that is even worth investing a penny in. So the problem with rain gear, in my opinion, is one, you don't have to use it that much, right? And two, you have to pay a lot of money for something you're not gonna use that much if it, for it to be effective. Well, here's here's what I say to that is, if you should go out and get a a good rain suit that's gonna last, so therefore you pay the money up front technically and you use it throughout. If you average it over 10 years, you've got you know, 30 true, true, bucks. Who do you think should be buying year. rain gear? Somebody that plays how many rounds a year? Because if you're only playing 10 rounds a year, you don't need rain gear in my opinion. Yes, I agree. And if you're a fair weather golfer, you're not going to really need it that much. You might go out and buy something a little bit lighter, a little bit, you know, half sleeve, quarter zip, that kind of style. But damn, I'll tell you, man, if you got a good set of rain gear, that that makes all the difference. Because sometimes you're going to get caught in rain. Yeah, you are. And I mean, you, I mean, so Gal- Galway Bay is a great example. Cross is a great example. Um, Proquip is a good example. But you're coming out at $730 for a rain suit. All right. So here's the only advantage I see for Cross and Galway Bay over the others. Don't get me wrong. 
both of them, all of them are expensive, mm-hmm. any good Ranger set. But the advantage I've seen over the years with Cross especially is the fact that the pants are like golf pants. Yeah. So I can get more functionality out of that pant than just when it's raining. The top, if you're in a tournament that's kind of cold in the morning or mm-hmm. afternoon or whatever, that top is so comfortable. Both of them are yeah. for swing and movability that I'm going to get much more usage out of those two suits I've, than I've, I would yeah. over a pro quit or some of the lower finishers just because they are literally like plastic bags on you. Oh, and, and you, the only you time you would want to wear them is when it's pouring down. These, yeah. I think, are, you know... So these these in general, these suits, I have used both of them and I've gone and watched baseball games with my fiance. Exactly. And I've worn both of them um, because Galway Bay has a lined uh, option. I've taken it to ski with and it's been really good. Really? Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a multi-purpose rain suit. So it's not just for golf. You're using both of those products um, for different activities for everyday life. Yeah. So if you're going to spend that much money. Make sure you can get the use out of it. Get one of those probably just because you're going to get your bang for your buck out of it more because you'll have more usage. Yeah. Yeah. It, the versatility is is definitely a plus. I mean, but a lot of... So rain gear is kind of a tough one. So you have to think like you are when it comes to three words. You have to go into that launch monitor with a mindset of what you want and an objective. When it comes to rain gear, you take that same... Um, that same thing. What No, what am I trying to say? The same methodology, basically, to mindset. that mindset. Thank you, Tony. Words are hard. Uh, words are hard this morning. Um, so, f- for instance, location. If you're up where Tony is, you kind of want something maybe a little bit thicker in the winter because you're going to be freezing your balls off. Um, <laughs> you want something lined, like the Galway Bay pants. Um, if you live yeah, in but Arizona, if we're down here, I want something thin. Yeah, or anywhere else hot, you want something well, thin. Well, that goes to his point. What mindset are you going in for your purpose, right? Are you What are the conditions you're going to be playing in? First of all, do you play enough rounds to make it yeah. worthwhile? Is there going to be enough usage out of it that you can go to a baseball game or go a skiing? Yes, if you're checking these boxes, right? And then the next box is where do you live and what are your weather conditions? And that's going to determine what you're going to get. But I still think it would be more beneficial. The half sleeves are still really, ex- really expensive. And you don't get as much usage out of those as Harry can use these when he goes to a game or uh, go skiing or whatever, right? You're not going to get that usage out of the other ones. Yeah. And another couple of things I just want to put out there is if you are, if, if it used to be waterproof, like 100% waterproof, and it isn't anymore, wash your rain suit. I don't know how many times that I've done it in the past where I've worn my rain suit in the rain, put it in my bag, stowed it away for you know, the next round or whatever, and it stayed in there for three months, and then it doesn't work anymore because it needs to be washed. Well, one other thing is don't put fabric softener in when you use yes, these, when you wash true. and dry them. Because it gets that rid can... of the coating of the waterproof coating that they put on the waterproof. Correct. Um, Interesting. So, but wash it with just cold, cold on your settings. With detergent or whatever. With the, the old college yes. setting, permanent press. There That's you what you use. Uh, and my last point Low is... Heat. Be careful when you're having a, a rain suit that's a little bit too baggy, um, has a little bit too much room to move because I have had a lot of times where I've had a little bit of a, when I'm putting a bulge, you know, where the, yeah. the excess material has come. Yes, Tony, I know you like that word. <laughs> where the putter grip actually gets caught in the, yep. in the rain suit. Yep. So that's just another variable 
that is annoying when you um, yeah, well, play golf. I would golf. say out of all the ring gear we've tested over the years, the two that stand out as more of a Euro fitting, tailor fit, tighter yep. fit, better fit yep. are the Cross and the Galway Bay. Cross yep. being the more European fit. Galway, um, being, Galway Bay being more of a hybrid between the U.S. and yeah, America. and we've identified that in the in the buyer's guide. So check that out. We've said if they're European fit or slim fit or medium fit, large fit, whatever you have and whatever you are, check out a buyer's guide because you're gonna you're gonna get the ones that you want. Yeah, I had some pretty good luck with the Galvin Green suit last year. I liked that one a lot. Mm-hmm. It was Gore-Tex. Yeah, didn't it didn't have a lot of stretch, which kind of sucked. But for you know the dryness factor and the fit factor, and I'm not a big a big dude, so the Eurofit stuff really. Yeah. Do you think so? Here's a question: well. Do you think Gore-Tex is going is going to go? Yeah. I think that is because the materials right now and technology are just as good as Gore-Tex, but you have the flexibility. Gore-Tex and you have... was king of the mountain for a long time. It was. But I mean, yeah. they're, they're making better products now. The problem is Gore-Tex is like waterproof, right? Yeah. These mm-hmm. new products that move better, are lighter, are thinner, are somewhat waterproof, but they're almost all the waterproof you need. Meaning like if you were in a downpour for an hour, they're not going to cover you. Yeah. But for the most part, you're not in a downpour for an hour. Right. And they do an adequate job and they are much more flexible in the swing. And they also don't create like a wrestler that's trying to cut weight, you know, right. and you're sweating like a, yeah. What do we call it? Swamp crotch. I call yeah, it. I like golfer's ass. I like uh swass. <laughs> I like golf. I like uh, Gore-Tex on the mountain when I'm snowboarding. You do, yeah, but not you like to shred with Gore-Tex. I yeah. think you should give you should give the the lined pants from Tony. Do you Bay shred again. with Gore-Tex? Really? They're you good. skied with those? I skied with those. <laughs> I fall a lot though, so I'm I'm on I'm on the snow a lot. So. Tony, when's the last time you shredded? I I don't shred. <laughs> no shredding. I, no I, shredding. No. I'm going to Avon this year. You want to come? We no. can't get him down to the facility, oh, let alone go there. He's definitely not coming to the Great, team. great segue, Harry. Yeah, there you go. All right. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Tony Covey is coming to the facility next week. Reluctantly. This Reluctantly. Is first time in how many years? Ten years? Ten years. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. for those uh, of you... Sean Poulon, if you're listening, guess which finger I'm holding up. <laughs> <laughs> So for y'all that don't know out there, Tony started a uh, somewhat of a uh, whatever word phenomenon. phenomenon in golf called Find It, Cut It. And basically, <clears throat> Tony started cutting open golf balls that he found. And uh, we already kind of had cut some balls open and knew what we were probably going to see. But we started uncovering and Tony started uncovering some things that were concerning to consumers for sure and to the quality control standards of the golf companies that are out there producing these quote-unquote tour-level balls. So one of them was the Chrome Soft, and uh, most of the people that follow No Putts Given or us on social or whatever have seen those images. They're not pretty. They're scary. And uh, Callaway has... Not noticed. Photoshop, by the way, as, as some seem to think. Like, yeah. Really better things to How do you do even my do that? Well, if you think they're Photoshopped, Ask Callaway why they're investing $50 million on improving it. Uh, it's not because we Photoshopped them. Uh, so that being said, Callaway has noticed the problem, and they are Callaway will be visiting my golf spy next week. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday and Thursday of next week, Callaway will be in here, and we're going to you know, tell them how we do things, why we do things, which they kind of already know, but and they're going to talk golf balls. And uh, so that should be interesting. So the find it, cut it thing – for everyone out there that has participated, 
uh, keep doing it and <clears throat> thanks for participating because it's already starting to make a change in the industry behind the scenes for sure. And uh, we all have our Tony Covey to thank for that, I guess. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, sure. He might go in the wall, um, the golfing wall of fame, hall of fame. Wall you of think fame? so? At least at my golf spot. We'll, we'll make one for you, Tony. Or a wall of infamy. Something like that. <laughs> I, I'd like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's exciting news. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Look, at the end of the day, <clears throat> we just want mutual understanding from all sides, right? Consumers, companies to us. We want to do the best job we can, and we want every manufacturer to be involved in our testing process and understanding of how we do things because if they can help us improve that, we're all ears all the time. And uh, Callaway, actually, from what's that, Tony? That's a true story. <clears throat> yeah, and Callaway, believe it or not, uh, Sean Toulon, which is going to be visiting here next week as part of Callaway, used to be part of Callaway or TaylorMade, and he was one of the first people we talked to almost 10 years ago now right tony yeah i mean to it, it would be it, it would be absolutely the truth to say that sean toulon was sort of instrumental in in helping us improve and, and get to where we are today so you know, he's sort of been there from the beginning and i guess he's he's coming back in to, and hopefully you know uh with, with some input from him and and alan hocknell doc hawk is coming out as well you know, we kind of. I'm looking forward to the conversation and seeing, you know, if they have any ideas for, for what we can tweak to to make things that much better. And, and certainly, uh, you know, hopefully they'll uh, get something from us as well. So hey, no yeah. test is perfect, but we want to do the best test we can every year, and that's why we try to put improvements in every year. Um, at the end of the day, you guys buy equipment, we try to test equipment for you, so you can feel confident that what you're spending your money on uh, will be quality products. And that's our job at the end of the day. And really happy that Callaway's coming down to be a part of it and moving that relationship forward because it's been a long time and being completely transparent. It's about time. You know? yep. And uh, other than that, today we're getting ready to leave here right now to go do something fun called Guess the Yardage Challenge as a placeholder for a title right now. And we have some uh, life-size cutouts of Yours truly, Harry Nodwell. We've got uh, some other surprises for everybody to see. And uh, so anyway, you looking forward to Guest Yardage Challenge today? I'm looking forward to my Popeye's chicken sandwich later. You're going to get that chicken sandwich? Damn right I am. <laughs> I really hope you don't get it, just because wow. I, I really look forward to that story again. Oh, yeah, no, it would be great to hear that same boring story again next wow. week. I'm just going to go. 20 minutes on how Sam didn't eat chicken. I'm just hey, going to go an hour earlier. I was going to duck him. I was going to duck him one stroke for that slow play of his story. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to tag marshal him at the, uh, at the uh, Popeye's. All right, well, that's episode 12 of No Butts Given. We hope everybody has a great weekend. We'll see you next week. We out.